Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. You know the number by now, 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. A lot of possibilities today, Seth. Possibilities are endless. Sal Manin, my former co-host, our good friend, uh, may be joining us later here in hour number one. Said he would try. He's got some things to say. Wants to come on. So you have to get up and and I know I know it's an hour earlier over there. He so is he uh, he's adulting get up and today. Get, get ready. He said he had uh, he's got somewhere he's got to be uh, by by one o'clock our time twelve okay. o'clock his time. Uh, he said he may call us on the way. So uh, so we look forward to uh, to hopefully hearing from Sal here in hour number one. Uh, I did speak with Jerry McNamara this morning over at the Mellow Center. So assuming you didn't screw anything up this week, we will get to that most likely you can, in hour if, number two. If you would like, you could swing around. You could see it is it is right here. On my computer. Excellent. So we're good to go. I don't want to promise it because I promised it last week and you somehow deleted it out of the system. You know but, what I uh, think happened? I, I'll, I'll, I, this is the only, this is the only answer I can come up with, and it's not a good one. Uh, but you brought the flash drive in on Thursday, right? And I saved it to the computer, and then on Friday it wasn't there. So the only thing I can come up with is that I didn't actually save it to the computer. And that I just saved it back onto the flash drive. Brilliant. And then you took the flash drive and 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 left. and I trusted you. And I said, you know what? I don't need to bring the the flash drive back on Friday. Seth's got it. It's all taken care of. And, no, I think it, it was wasn't. really just on the flash drive. All right. Uh, so hopefully we'll hear from Jerry yes. again, assuming you don't screw anything up. And we do have Danny Shays uh, locked in at 1 o'clock. So the possibilities are endless today. Again, your phone calls welcome at any time. 315-437-7644. Unexpectedly uh, exciting night in college basketball uh, last night. I don't think too many people were paying attention to Villanova St. John's before the thing started. Uh, but St. John's goes on the road and knocks off Villanova 79-75. Back-to-back wins over top five opponents for a St. John's team that had lost 11 games in a row in the Big East. And now, what a week for that program. Villanova goes down. I've been saying for several weeks, Virginia deserves to be the number one ranked team in the country. And, and now they will be. Barring an upset against Virginia Tech over the weekend, they will be the number one ranked team in the country. Virginia's surviving a scare uh, last night on the road uh, in Tallahassee at Florida State. Fell behind by 11 points in the first half. It was a 10-point game at halftime. But you know, the Cavs just... They suffocate you on defense, and they just chip away, and they chip away. It wasn't pretty, 59-55, uh, but Virginia stays perfect in ACC play, and Wake Forest loses another close one. Wake Forest has been in a lot of games. They just don't win very many games. 2-10 no, and 10 now don't. in conference play. They fall on the road to Miami by a couple of possessions. I think it was a six-point spread when all was said and done. Uh, Wake Forest, of course, coming to the Dome on Sunday. Uh, one of those two wins, of course, in conference for Wake came against Syracuse in early January. Yeah, look, uh, St. John's was bad all year, right? It's not even to say that they were all right. They were bad, and... You know, Chris Mullen is there, and you, you have to be really sure about firing Chris Mullen if 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 you're going to fire him for that school. Uh, 
you know, I I said this kind of tongue in cheek, like St. John's cares about their basketball program, but do they care about it enough to fire him? You know, because of everything that would mean and and what he meant to the program in the eighties and 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 all everything that would go into that. So I don't know. Uh, but he's now picked up two quality wins, two incredible wins, uh, two wins that they hadn't been getting in recent years, and and he got those wins. Uh, you know, he was safe for the year, but you have to wonder how far that those two wins might be able to carry him uh, because they just hadn't been able to do anything of a note. Uh, and Virginia, look, is going to become the number one team in the country, and they deserved it. They deserved it a week ago. They deserve it now. They will deserve it after this weekend should they get past Virginia Tech. Uh, and we almost had like a historic night in college basketball because number one went down, number three went down as well, Purdue losing at home. Uh, so we almost had one, two, and three all losing. That would have been quite a night. And it speaks to the state of college basketball right now, doesn't it? I mean, Virginia very easily could have lost that game, and and that's the point, is that there are no dominant teams. We've heard that topic time and time again this season, but it is absolutely true. Villanova and Virginia look like the two best teams in the country. Villanova lost at home to a bad St. John's team, and you know Virginia, listen, they're going to play a lot of close games. They play a lot of low-scoring games, and they were able to grind it out again last night. And it's it's very impressive what they've been able to do. And yes, I do think they're the best team in the country. But are they dominant? Are they a team that you know goes into the NCAA tournament? And you say, well, you know, Virginia is going to cruise to the Final Four, you know, slash national title game. No, I don't think you think it, no. you look at them like that at all. And and that's kind of the point. And it it speaks to the state of college basketball right now that. I mean, March Madness is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this is truly anybody's tournament to win, right? I mean, you know, any given year you say, well, you know, a dozen teams or 15 teams, whatever it may be, 20 teams could go to the Final Four. Doesn't that hold true this year? Can't you yes. make a case for, you know, anybody in the top 20 is saying, well, yeah, you know, they, they could make a run at the Final Four. Absolutely. And, you know, if last year was any indication, if the year before was any indication, uh, it doesn't stop at the top 20. Right, you could get South you Carolina. You could be a ten seed. <laughs> you could be a ten seed. You could be the fortieth best team in the country that was borderline good to make the tournament and make the final four. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, the tournament is always wide open. The tournament is always wide open because it's a one and done situation. Because weird things happen. Because teams get hot at the right time, and teams have Kemba Walker on them, and they win 11 straight in March. It feels you know, more wide open this year yes, than most years, It though. does, because there's no great team. There's no great team. These freshmen haven't come together at Kentucky. The freshmen haven't quite come together all the way at Duke, right? So there's no great team out there that you're like, wow, that team is talented and playing together. Like that that usually happens by now with Kentucky. Normally we see them, we're like, whoa, that team is insanely talented and like they're a team. I don't think we've seen that this year. Duke, normally at this point in the year, they've come together and you're like, wow, Tyus, Tyus Jones and Jaleel Okafor and Justice Winslow are really freaking good and they're playing like a team. Except they don't play defense this year, right? So you can't say that about this year's Duke team. It, it's it's this weird year where there's no dominant team. Virginia's not going to run anybody off the floor, right? They're just not. No, Purdue, they, they play Purdue, they play a lot of close games. Purdue and that, Villanova, yeah. Purdue and Villanova, the same. They're not going to really run teams off the floor. So there's no one you look at in the top of the country and say, "Well, that team is going to run away with it." Big one tonight in the ACC: Duke and Carolina. I am excited and for this game. If Carolina loses this game. They dropped to six and six, and 
Syracuse is going to be favored on Sunday to beat Wake Forest. Wouldn't that be something if through 12 games, Syracuse and North Carolina were tied in the standings? And let's not forget Carolina's coming here to the Carrier Dome. Yeah, that would be amazing. Could you have, could you have imagined that, you know, coming after, into after this the one and, even well, the one and four this, starting conference? Forget, forget the one and four season. Coming into this year, yeah. right? We, we were looking at Syracuse and we were like, oh, well, you know, Geno Thorpe will be a nice piece off the bench, but we don't really know how he'll transition to a bigger game. They have so many freshmen that we just don't know, you know, and, and, and they've got so many pieces that we're just unsure of. And then you look at Carolina and they're bringing back Luke May and they're bringing back Joel Berry and they're bringing back, you know, legitimate pieces from a team that went and won a national title last year. They were a top 10 team. Oh, and they add Cam Johnson from Pitt, who we all know is a really good player. And they've played so far below expectations, and Syracuse has played so far above expectations. It's remarkable. And this, in the middle of this conference, is bunched up. I mean, Virginia Tech is at 6-5. and five. They've got Virginia next. You would assume they're going to lose that game. Carolina's got Duke tonight and then NC State this weekend. So NC State and Carolina are both 6-5. and five. One of those teams is obviously going to lose. Florida State is 6-6. Six and six. Syracuse is 5-6, and six, most likely going to go to 6-6. Six and six. Again, Syracuse was tied for 10th before that win over Louisville. Coming out of the weekend, they might be in like 6th place in the ACC. Yeah. Which, uh, and look, and, and if you said now... You know, it's you were saying uh, the one and four start. If you told Syracuse and Syracuse fans when they were one and four that they could come out on Valentine's Day heading into that game against NC State that they would be five hundred in conference, I don't think anybody would have believed you. And they might have the same record as NC State. Again, NC State's got Carolina next. They they lose that game there at six and six. Wake, uh, you know, Syracuse beats Wake there at six and six. Going into again, who would have thought that NC State at home on Valentine's Day would be one of the more important games oh, down the stretch game. of the season? Yeah. But we all think NC State is in. I mean, you look at their wins. I mean, they've got four dynamite wins on their resume already. They beat Arizona, obviously beat Duke, they beat North Carolina. They are. I think that they're in. Um, and Syracuse is trying to work their way in. So this is a, it's a home game. It, this two-game stretch with Wake and NC State, and obviously, obviously, SU has more work to do, and they want to pick up another one over a, you know, a Clemson or a Duke or a Carolina, whatever it may be. These next two, though, awfully important to, to build momentum. That, that could be a three-game winning streak. You would be above 500 in conference play. And, and again, those are... It gets you closer to that nine and nine, and if you get to nine and nine in conference again, I think you and I both believe that would be enough to get this team into the NCAA tournament. Ten wins, whether it's you know however you get there, if you get one yes. or two in Brooklyn, you know, couple that with that non-conference schedule, I think you would be safe on Selection Sunday. Because but a, nine, a big week ahead, obviously, for the Orange. Nine would guarantee that you've got another really good win here. Ten would mean that you probably, in all likelihood, have two of them. Um, look, this is something that we'll do. You know, in another couple of weeks, and we'll really dive into it closer. I think NC State is in, right? Like they've got four really good. At wins. the moment, they're in. I think they're in. At the moment, they've. But what you're I was telling say, me, if, the, if if today was Selection Sunday, they're, they're in. in. Yes. yes, probably. But here, here's what I would caution: they've got some really bad losses. Also, you know, they've got losses under that quadrant two level. They've got you know Northern Iowa, UNC Greensboro that they've lost to. Uh, so they've got some bad losses as well. Uh, maybe that's just something to keep an eye on. They've they, uh, you know, they haven't really had very many road wins, so that resume looks familiar. 
Yes. Um, that resume looks a little bit familiar. I mean, they beat Arizona. Duke, I know. No, I know. Carolina Look. at Carolina and Clemson. And Clemson right now is, is second in the ACC. Duke is third in the ACC, and Carolina was on the road. To me, at 16 and 8, with those four wins, those four wins trump, you know, the couple of bad losses that you're talking about. And, yes. and, and I get that. I mean, you know, Northern Iowa was early in the season. Greensboro, uh, UNC Greensboro, obviously was, was in the non conference as well. Uh, they've turned it on since ACC play started up again. I think if, if the tournament started today, I think NC State is in. Now, what happens down the stretch could certainly change that. Let's take our first time out. Can I, yeah, can I give a, a breaking, breaking basketball news here? NBA trade. A Syracuse Sports Center starts. NBA trade on deadline day. Am I going to care? I think so. The Cavaliers have made their move. Oh, yeah. The Cavaliers have made their move. Who they, they get rid of? They dumped Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, and their first round pick, and they're getting Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. back from the Lakers. That's wow. an intriguing swap. Given up on Isaiah Thomas. Dumped him. Yeah, that was a. That was a, a long stint there for for Isaiah Thomas in Cleveland, huh? So they so like Thompson at the moment is still a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. For now, yeah, I like I like this trade actually. Get younger, get more athletic. Dump Isaiah Thomas, who's been terrible. You do drop a first round pick though, which yeah, and I mean, can you, you kind of don't like? Can you justify getting rid of Kyrie and? And dumping and the dumping the guy the asset. You, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That didn't last long. No. That must that must have been a LeBron. You know, get LeBron's blessing before. Uh, well, before you make that move. Did you see some of the stuff Isaiah was saying the last couple of weeks in regards to like just everything. his time in Cleveland? Yeah, just like everything. He's just like we don't hustle. We don't. It's like, dude, then do something. Right. Well, he missed a lot of the year though. No, a I lot know of these problems no, are I not know. his fault. No, but now he's like talking as if it's like, you know, I've never seen a team play such poor defense. Well then play defense. <laughs> like you're the problem. All right, let's take our first time out. Uh, when we return, I know there's a, an article uh, by Chris Carlson from yesterday, uh, Seth, in regards to athletic department spending uh, that you want to get to. So we're going to take a time out. We're back with that. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. This is Stephen Fonte. SU assistant coach Alan Griffin will join us every Tuesday at 1215 on Orange Nation throughout the basketball season to break down the team. He's brought to you by Casanova Jewelry. You can listen right here every week on ESPN Radio. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village. We may or may not hear from Salmanin during hour number one. We do have Danny Shays set to join us at the top of hour number two. And uh, again, I caught up with Jerry McNamara earlier today for our weekly television interview. We'll uh, play that back for you at some point. The TV version of Orange Nation uh, tonight on News Channel 9. From 7 to 7.30. No Mike Waters. Uh, we have Brent Axe filling in. Of course, we'll hear from uh, Jerry as we look back on that win over Louisville and look ahead to Sunday's visit from Wake Forest. So we'll leave SU basketball on the table at 315-437-7644. But, Seth, I know um, there's something you really wanted to get to yeah. today, and that's the, the article from Chris Carlson yesterday. I thought it was interesting, uh, the the spending article and, and comparing you know where Syracuse is with certain athletic programs and their spending. Um, 
you know, SU is near the top in a lot of them, right? And we know this from, you know, being here for a little while. The, the Doc Gross era was all about making uh, everything big, right? Not just football, not just basketball. It was about making everything, you know, up to the best in the country. Lacrosse is tops in the country, men's and women's. Uh, field hockey, women's field hockey is top in the country. Soccer, second in the country. Ice hockey, third. You know, rowing, fourth, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So men's basketball is sixth in the country in spending. They spend $13.3 million a year. Duke, number one in the country at 19.5. So there's a roughly $6 million difference in in in, in spending there. Uh, if you go by reports, Jim Beheim and Coach K's contract, roughly $5.5, 6000000 in difference. So there's your difference in spending from Syracuse to the top of the country, right? So you're paying for Syracuse basketball. You're You're laying out the expenses there for Syracuse basketball to be a legitimate contender, a top program, and we've seen that. They've reached two Final Fours in the last, uh, what, six years. Uh, they, you know, they, they've they made it uh, to the tournament. They, they've they they've gone on long winning streaks with the Tyler Ennis team. Um, and that brings me to football. Football's 50th in the country in spending. They spend more than, uh, less than half of the number one team in the ACC in Florida State, they spe- they spend roughly a third of what the number one team in the country spends in Alabama. Um, I'm not suggesting Syracuse football should or right now really can compete with Alabama or Florida State. But here's the larger point. You're spending for basketball to be one of the top teams in the country, and they are, right? On a, on a Maybe not on a year-in, year-out basis, maybe not this year, maybe not last year. But over the grand scheme of things, over the last six, seven, eight years, they're up there as one of those top teams in the country. Right? I think that's fair. Yeah. You're paying for football to be a bottom quarter of the Power 5 uh, team, and that's what they are. And so I don't know what comes first. Does success come before money, or does money come before success? But if you're looking for a reason why basketball is where basketball is and football is where football is, like, look no further. You're paying for them to be 50th. You're paying the 50th most in the country in spending, according to these numbers and these reports. You know, you're getting what you pay for. Don't you think they're addressing it, though? Like with the the Ensley Center and, you know, the indoor practice facility, um, you know, giving Dino Babers the extra assistant this year. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, right? No, I mean, they, they got to take baby steps, and and at least I see signs that that they're moving in that direction. Now, it's a, it is a valid point that you know if you want to compete, um, you got to shell out money. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm seeing that there's at least an effort from the university to do that, and maybe that hasn't always been the case. No, and I think that's fair. And and look, I'm not looking for them to spend two and a half million dollars a year on a defensive coordinator like LSU did. I think that's stupid. Like, I think that's just foolish. But, like, how much more do you have to up the assistant pool? How much more do you have to give Dino Babers to go travel and and recruit? How much more do you have to give them for that practice facility? Practice facility is great, but how much better can it be or does it have to be to really compete with the others? How much money can you and do you have to put in the dome to make it, you know, a, a more viable and a more attractive building? You know, I, I think that all factors into it, and... Uh, you know, you're looking at these numbers, and and Chris starts off the piece by saying, uh, you know, Syracuse, according to these numbers and according to the uh, this report, uh, made nearly twenty million dollars in progress in profit this past year. Okay, so how much of that money can go back into the 
into the athletic department further, right? How much of that $20 million could have been used on football, could be used on the Dome, to make that program rise even further. And the athletics department will say that they're running a balanced budget, and then it's, you know, it depends on how they dis- distribute right. the, the numbers and where they put them and, and how it's all calculated. Um, the fact of the matter is, is is the athletic department's bringing in a lot of money. This move to the ACC sure. was, was very good for a lot of reasons. Let me ask you this, though, just in regards to football. Is Syracuse competing with Alabama, Florida State, and Clemson? Or is Syracuse competing with NC State, North Carolina, But are they even spending at that level now? Like, they're 50th. They're on par... As Chris knows, well, North with, Carolina with Colorado is right behind and UNC. Them. Right, so North Carolina. Yeah, UNC won three games last I'm, year. I'm just saying, though, <laughs> like to to say that. Well, you know, Alabama, and I know you're not comparing Syracuse to Alabama. No, Alabama spent what 62 not. million last yes. year, according to this article. Florida State was tops in the ACC at, at 48. That's more than double what Syracuse spent. My point is. You go to Clemson and you look around. Have you ever been to, to Clemson? No. Okay. The facilities down there are insane. Same thing in Tallahassee. There's a nap room at Clemson, I've heard. It's it's unbelievable. And you you can't help if you're a high school recruit, you can't help but be blown away, right? If you go to Florida State, if you go to Alabama, LSU, like they're they're in a, a different tier. And I guess right. my point is who is Syracuse competing with in terms of, you know, if, if this is an arms race and it's you know facilities based and and assistance based and, and whatnot. Should we really be comparing Syracuse to Florida State and Clemson? Or should we be comparing them to, again, you know, NC State, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, the, you know, the teams that are, you know, middle of the pack programs in the ACC? No, we should be comparing them to those middle of the pack programs. But I wonder where, where does the spending line up with them? Because, you know, if, if you're 50th, you're towards the back end of the Power Five, teams that are better than you are probably spending more than you. And based on the two teams that Chris lists as 49 and 51, Colorado and UNC, uh, the Wake Forest, the Louisvilles, the NC States are almost definitely up ahead of you. So how much further ahead of you are they? In terms of, you know, if you had to prioritize, all right, let's earmark a little more money for this, this, and this. What would be the top priority? Is it is it assistance? Is it paying assistance? Is it facilities? Is it recruiting? I, I got to think it's assistance, right? Wouldn't that be at the top I of the list? I think so. I think so. Yes, that's that's where I would go. And they're addressing it, you know, by by adding the the extra assistant this year. So again, um, is it going to happen overnight? No. Um, you know, and you said what comes first? Does success come first, or does does putting money into programs come first? If you ask Daryl Gross, he'll tell you putting money into programs comes first because he did do that, right? I mean, you they did. You look Absolutely. across the board with field hockey and cross country and men's soccer. I w- I was surprised men's soccer ranked number two in the country in spending. Didn't that surprise you? Given all the quality yeah, programs around the country, that was very surprising. Syracuse was number two. So look, they put the resources into these other programs, and it's great. It's what got them into the ACC. It's what's given them the the ability to make all this money back now. Uh, you know, through ESPN, through the TV contracts, and what have you. Uh, now the question is, do you have to put money into? Um, can you put the money into football? Right, like can can you find some more of that money to put into football because? I don't know that that's at the level that you would think it should or has to be for that team to be as successful as it can be, right? We've seen Syracuse football be re- be successful, right? Like we've seen them win, you know, go go to BCS level bowls. We've seen them 
go, you know, to to legitimate high places. And and we're not talking about forty years ago, you know, fifteen years ago. And I know fifteen years ago is a is a long time ago in a different landscape, but like it could happen. What's the goal for Syracuse football? I don't know. Isn't that the that that's ultimately what the question is? Is it to win ACC titles? Is it to be nationally ranked again? Is it you know to go eight and four and to get to a, a decent bowl game? And I don't I don't know the answer to that. But I think that the answer to that some way impacts these numbers, right? That yes, if, if the goal is you know across the board we want to compete and be competitive in all sports, then they're going to try to evenly distribute the money and. Can Syracuse compete with the Clemsons and Florida States right now? No, they can't. Um, maybe one day they can, but you know they they have to prioritize their money and where they're spending it. And and again, I see steps in the right direction with football, with the Ensley Athletic Center, and with you know certainly adding the assistant and recruiting is getting better. And I don't think that's happening by accident. Now I think Dino Babers has a lot to do with that, but things are trending in the right direction. I would think. I think they are. Yeah. So again, are they are they trying to compete with with Clemson and Florida State right now? Maybe not yet. Maybe they'll you know give it a few years. No, and, and, and they don't have to be right now. Right. They have to they have to compete on the next level first. Yeah, be the fourth best team in your division right now. I like, feel like we've been saying that for so long. Right, but let's let's start with that. And you feel like they're a lot closer to that now than they have been. Right. I mean, oh yeah. The last good team we keep going back to this. The last good team that this this university had in terms of football was two thousand one. That was the last good team. Right. Yeah, I think it was 16 so. years ago. But I think they're, they're as close. And Doug Marone had a couple of good teams, but he he squeezed all the right. potential. I mean, the, that, the, that, that, that Ryan Nassib's senior year team was pretty good they by were. the end of the season. You felt like they could be a nationally ranked team, but the last the last team to close out the year nationally ranked was 2001. Yep. Um, so it's been a while. And you feel like they're getting closer to that. You do. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I, 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 I wouldn't think be shocked. Clo- I think they're closer now than they were two years ago when Scott Schaefer was still the head coach. I wouldn't be shocked if they start next year with getting votes and polls. I would be. They were four and eight, and I know that it was because Eric Dungey got hurt and, and yeah. blah 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 blah. And I, I get that, but I, I would be surprised if they got votes. I wouldn't be. I mean, I'm not saying a lot. I'm not saying they're going to be ranked. Right. But do I think some people are going to be? Could like, they be? Hey. Could they be? Ra- could they be ranked at some point next season? Yes, I think so. I think expectations and part of being ranked is like where you start. Like oh, we it, know that's how, we know how it works it in football, right? I mean, that's why that's why North Carolina and Kentucky are still ranked in basketball. They're right. not good enough to be in the top twenty-five, right? It's all about where you start in these polls. And I think Syracuse is going to start with a little bit of momentum, and then if they win some games, could they parlay that into a national ranking? They could, but yeah, start with being the fourth best team in the division, and. And see where it goes from there. We do need to take a time out. If you want to check in on this, 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Syracuse football plays here. And into the end zone. Touchdown, Orange. ESPN AM 1200. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Again, we've got the television version of Orange Nation coming your way tonight, 7 to 7.30 on News Channel 9. It'll be myself, Mario Sacco, Brent Axe filling in for Mike Waters, and of course we'll hear 
from Jerry McNamara. Speaking of Brent Axe, want to listen to his show today as he gives away three pairs of tickets to the CNY Brewfest this Saturday at the New York State Fairgrounds. Two sessions with live music and well over 100 breweries. Now and later, and Barkley Damon have teamed up to offer $10 off your lift ride to and from the festival. Visit cnybrewfest.com. Let's go to the phone lines. Pat in Syracuse wants to check in on SU Hoops. Hey, Pat. Yeah, I got the express lane today, uh, like a quick drive through for lunch, you know. That's right. Right to the front um, of the line. What do you got for us? Yeah, so I don't know if you guys had a chance with uh, your show prep, but Donna had released an article today about yep. Citibay, and I wanted to uh, wanted to kind of dissect that a little bit with you. To me, it's much of the same. I, I think basically we, we kind of know, knew um, a lot of what is being said. And with, with what we have with the roster and, and such, I believe on, unless there's just a higher – from what I understand about 10 tonight, it's, it, it's probably not going to get worse. I think the hyperextended knee was what happened in, in, in the game a couple games ago, and I think that's complicated the issue. Um, but he obviously – they didn't think – because when I first heard 10 tonight, I didn't think it would be a season-long thing, especially for a young kid. But obviously it's not responding. But I think if they can manage the pain – I don't think there's a risk, and I'm not a doctor, but just just, just from what I'm learning about it, um, this is a huge thing. I do not think this is um, necessarily a tournament team without him, but they already proved um, they could go on the road and beat you know, a, a quadrant run one team without him. And quite frankly, with Moyer and Chuku playing far below normal, I think Moyer's going to take a little while to get his legs back. I mean, he looked completely lost out there, and they still won the game. But you're also not going to get – all three of the, um, you know, the uh, three-headed monster to all play well. So that's this is a this is a very this. I think this is the difference between us being able to win a game or two in the tournament and 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 us maybe being left out. Because I think Citibay, I think even against Louisville could have really helped. Um, and even even more so against Virginia, where I think Hunter was just too fast at the top of that zone for Chuku. Just not a good matchup uh, for Chuku, and I think Citibay if he was healthy, could kind of deal with that a little bit differently. I'm not saying he's a better defender, but what is what is your take on uh, the latest news here with this? Well, and I appreciate checking in, Pat. Um, my take is this. First and foremost, you, got the, you have to put the kids' best interests in mind, right? You, you don't want right. to run them into the ground because your numbers are down. And if, you know, to Pat's point, we don't exactly know what's going on. If there's no risk of further injury, then if the kid wants to play and is healthy enough to play, then, then you play him. If there is risk of further injury, which, again, we, we don't know that, um, you obviously got to be super careful. Now, he played terrific against Pittsburgh. They win that game because he's out there. If he's not out there, they, they may lose that game, and now they'd have a really bad loss on their resume. Plays at Georgia Tech, and again, we're going to hear from Jerry McNamara here in a moment because I asked Jerry about Barama, so this is a good place, I think, to, to play back that comment. But he, he tweaked the knee at Georgia Tech trying to make a play, and he obviously has not played since. And the hope is that they can get him healthy enough to contribute without risking further injury. That's the key piece of the puzzle, Seth, that I'm not sure we know right now whether or not there is a risk of, of further injury. And he's young, he's talented, he's going to be in this program for a while. You don't want to risk the long-term future of the kid for you know an eight-game stretch here that's obviously very important. And, and I think Pat's right. Like I think if you have a healthy Barama Sidibe, it makes a big difference. And, and you know maybe this team wins a game or two that they otherwise wouldn't. He can push him over the top in a close game. But again, you don't want to mortgage his future 
for you know a a win over Clemson on Senior Day. Right. Uh, look, of course it makes a difference if Sadibe is able to play and and if he's healthy and if if he could be on the floor. Of course that makes a difference. It makes this team better. Right. Like that that much is obvious. I think it makes this team better when he's able to play. That being said, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to play one. Um, you know, if tendonitis is something that can get worse by playing on it, don't play him. If well, tendonitis, if tendonitis isn't something that can get worse with him playing on it, then you have to go by how he feels, right? I'm not putting him out there if he says, well, I don't think I can go today. I'm not feeling right. If he says he feels right, great, throw him out there. And and if he doesn't, then you know what? You can't. Um, but you got to figure out the best way to deal with that because uh, – because of other injury situations, because of his injury situation as well, you're you're in a tough position, and you're stuck with really five and a half people that that you can play six bodies that you can play. I guess my response to that, my response to that would be, we don't know for sure that all it is is tendonitis, right? Because I mean, think about how long they we said were, it was, but think about how long we were guessing with Daywan and what was wrong with him. And, and I think they, for four years, and there was there was a time they didn't really know what was wrong with Daywan. Daywan, and then they figured it out, and it was it was obviously worse than they thought. And and I'm not saying that's the case here. I just you know didn't we just go through this for a couple of years with a guy with bad knees and he could play sometimes and then he couldn't play sometimes and you had to be careful with him and you know he had these surgeries. Now Barama hasn't had surgeries yet, and I and I get that. And I'm not even saying that they're the, the same situation all i'm saying is tendonitis is what is what we know that that's you know publicly what has been said maybe that's all it is i i don't know if there's a risk to, to playing him maybe there's more to it I, again i don't know that either what i do know is you first and foremost want to protect the best interests of the kid and make sure that again you're not mortgaging his future to play him 11 minutes you know against north carolina at home you know what I mean? Like that, you you want him to be okay first and foremost. So I think right. you got to trust the coaches, trust the doctors, trust the trainers, and 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 trust him too. He's got to be honest with the coaches and and the trainers and the doctors if he feels good enough to play. And and it's got to be a collective decision with his best interest in mind. He's got to be honest. The coaches and and the trainers and the doctors, everybody, and I, and I have no doubt that they have his best interest in mind. That's what I was going to say. Have his best interest in mind. Don't do anything that you know. If if he says he can't go, he can't go. You know, I, I, it's fairly obvious he's not faking an injury. It's not. It's not like he's you know saying that there's a problem that's not there. Like it's it's obvious that there's an injury there. It's obvious that something's bothering him. So. If he says he can't go, he can't go. Let's That's hear how from, I would go. Uh, let's hear from Jerry earlier today. I asked him about the, the health and if there was an update on Barama. Here's how he responded. Uh, Barama, I think the biggest thing, when you, you look back at the evidence of Pittsburgh, uh, we play Pitt at home. We get a seven- or eight-day stretch. We play Boston College at home. He doesn't play, and then he has another two days to rest prior to the game of Pittsburgh on the road. Well, that's essentially nine or ten days of rest that we gave this kid for his leg and you see what he's capable of doing and uh, then we go to Georgia Tech and it's the same thing he, you know the, the, the you know shorter turnaround a lot of weight on the knee he makes a play in transition that saves a layup but it also hurts his leg because of how hard he had to go on it so uh, it's just about monitoring him trying to you know keep him as healthy as we can we're trying to put ourselves in position uh, and if we can put ourselves in position by keeping this guy as healthy as possible, I think the one advantage for that is you could almost save him a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, we can't afford to burn him out. There's too much risk for a good kid, a good player. 
you know, so for us, with what he, you know, we're, we're erring on the side of caution. Uh, we're trying to keep him as healthy, healthy as we possibly can. I think it's a perfect response, right? I mean, you, you don't want to burn him out. You, you want to have his best interest in mind, trying to keep him as healthy as possible. If he can play, great. If he can't, we're not going to risk it. We're not going to risk him for, you know, this season. And I, I think that's the that's, way you got to play it. That's so, absolutely what you've got to do. That You can't. Don't risk playing him now to the detriment of his future, not just in basketball, but like in life, right? Like you would hate to actually, you know, forget basketball for a second. You would hate to have him be 35, 40, 45, 50 years old and like not be able to walk. And if, right? it's, and if it so, is just tendonitis and, and it can be managed, then, you know, you go about trying to manage it. They, they've obviously had a difficult time managing it. That You know, he played at Pittsburgh, things were looking up, and then he, you know, got hurt at Georgia Tech and, and tweaked it, and he hasn't played since. So let's see how this thing plays itself out. But, you know, yes, I think Pat is right in that if you have Barama Sidibe, that gives you an extra shot in the arm going down the stretch here. And, you know, it may very well make you a tournament team. Without him, you've got six healthy bodies. And can you replicate that Louisville performance enough times to get to the tournament. I don't know. That's going to be tough because they played awfully well on Monday night. That was, I think, their best game of the season. So can they play their best game of the season four more times, three more times, whatever it will take to to earn enough wins to get to the tournament? I don't know. That's a, that's a, a, a tough ask with only six guys. Yeah, short rotation is going to make it difficult to win these games, uh, especially uh, when they head down to Brooklyn. Because if you win a game, you play the next day, and if you win again, you play the next day again. Uh, that'll really take its toll on six people. So you want to put yourself in a position where you only need one. Exactly. <laughs> you get that oh. first one, and then or, you roll the dice or, the next night. Or even or better, none. you don't need one. <laughs> Can you just forfeit? Go down there, take a knee, move on to the NCAA tournament? I mean, I guess technically you could. No, you go down there, you try to win one. and I mean, obviously you try to win as much as you can, but right, you want to go down there with the least amount of pressure possible. Yeah, just um, win the next seven, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, if you're 10-8 and eight in, in the regular season in the ACC, you're probably safe regardless of what happens down there in the ACC. But in any event, we do need to take another timeout. We'll hear from Danny Shays at the top of the hour. We wrap up hour number one right after this.